out there in podcast land. Thank you so much for landing on Combat Sports with Rhino, your first, best, and only all-encompassing podcast. We're talking boxing. We're talking MMA. We talk kickboxing. We talk Muay Thai. We are just talking and talking and talking. We had such an interesting, jam-packed combat sports weekend. I don't even know where to start, but actually I really do. On today's show, we're going to be breaking down not only the Fury Wilder 2 fight from last night, but we've also got our UFC breakdown from Auckland, New Zealand, our Twitter questions, both call in and write in, and not to be burying the lead, but we have a fantastic interview with Joe Skeletor Gennetti, Tough 27 House finalist, amazing 155er on the MMA landscape. We're going to talk to him and see what he has to say about Patty Pimblett, what the best TV show from Boston's area ever has been created, and a few other things you have to wait and see to find out at the end of the show. So we had one of the biggest boxing matches that we've seen on the boxing landscape in many, many years. I'm not really including the Connor and Floyd fight in that because Connor's not a boxer. So we had two real actual boxers, heavyweights no less, my, my brethren, and we had the rematch, the highly anticipated rematch between Tyson the Gypsy King Fury, and Deontay the Bronze Bomber Wilder. So in the first fight, a quick recap. Um, Tyson really like he was outworking and outlanding. Uh, he was really outworking to land the Bronze Bomber, but you know, in the, in the 12th and final round, Deontay dropped him, looked like he took his head off basically, and somehow, someway, Undertaker style, uh, Fury got himself up and then finished out the round. It ended up being a draw. Did I think Fury won it? Yeah, by a little bit, but I thought it was still fairly close, particularly with that you know extra point for the knockdown. But that was round one. That was first first fight. There you know a lot of controversy with it, and then we finally got our hands on a rematch last night. So from the MGM Grand in Las Vegas, Nevada, we had the two combatants get into the ring. Two huge monsters, one 6'9", 273, the other 6'7", 230, in a chiseled physique. Not so much with Tyson, but definitely with Deontay. And the two square off, and I'm like, okay, here we go. We're going to get it. You know, I'm watching with my buddies. And honestly, from the fucking jump, it was Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury's movement, his jab, that kind of odd angled clubbing overhand two. Uh, Deontay was throwing his, his stuff, but he wasn't really landing. And when he did the few times, Fury definitely seemed to roll with it, go with it, take it well. Uh, you know, Deontay got hurt a couple times. Deontay got dropped twice in the fight. Deontay's left ear was bleeding out of the ear. Now, normally that means a ruptured eardrum, which throws off your equilibrium, makes it hard to keep your footwork together. He was pawing at his right wrist a lot. I don't know if it was a glove problem. If he was having a wrist problem. He said after the fight, his, something was wrong with his legs. I mean, there was a lot of things going on. But in the actual ring, in the actual fight, in the actual fray, Tyson Fury dominated, and I can't believe I'm saying that, to be honest with you. He dominated Deontay Wilder, the previously undefeated Deontay Wilder. Put, listen to the stats, and I know stats don't always tell a fight, but really, just listen to this. Total punches landed through seven rounds. Tyson Fury landed 82, Deontay Wilder 34. If you more than double up your opponent, you are kicking his ass. So... We get into the seventh round. He's already been dropped twice. Deontay, that is. Deontay is just getting work. He's getting pushed back in the ropes. Uh, Fury is leaning on him a lot. You know, he's doing a lot. He got a point taken away for 
you know, for grabbing and holding. But it was a smart strategy because he would work from the outside, and when he got in, he would lean on Deontay, and he would push him down, and he would push his head down and lean that 270-plus-pound body on him, draining him, right? That's exactly what he was doing. The commentator said it. Everybody who's ever watched boxing knows if you're that much bigger than your guy and you lean on him and push on him and press on him, you are going to fatigue him. It didn't actually end up mattering too much because in the seventh round, Deontay gets hurt, gets kind of put back into the corner. Fury landed a four or five punch combo. Deontay was not out by any stretch, but his corner threw the towel in. Much to the chagrin of Deontay Wilder, who said in the post-fight interview he wanted to go out on his shield. He had a lot of, you know, like hinted at a lot of like different excuses kind of, but I thought he handled it mostly with class. Uh, so did Fury, dude. Fury gave him all the all the shout out. And uh, he, next time, Tyson, you don't have to sing the entire song American Pie. <laughs> if you want to sing in your profile, <laughs> if you want to sing in your post-fight interview, have at it. But maybe not like like 90% of the song. That was a little monotonous. That was a little too much. But big shout out to you. Big kudos to you. We will um we will talk later about what we see or what I see for both of these guys moving forward. But once again, what a great what a great fight. What a great like spectacle that it was. How much fun it was to have the heavyweights back in the fucking prime spot that it was. That's like the way it was when I was growing up. It was very cool. It was a throwback. It was really neat, too, how they put uh, Tyson and Holyfield and Lennox in the ring prior to. Very, very cool deal. So, yeah, once again, uh, stick with us. We'll talk a little bit more about what I see next for these guys uh, later in the show. Moving our way into UFC Fight Night Auckland from last night. Uh, we have their main card. We have our we have our, um, we have our breakdown of that. And so I'll go ahead and get us started. Our first fight with the local Kiwi, Brad Riddell, uh, defeated Magomed Mustafiev. Uh, by uh, by unanimous decision. Now, the fight started very competitively um, with with Magomed kind of getting some takedowns, uh, Brad hitting him with some big shots. It was kind of an ebb and flow. It was a nice back and forth. They both hurt each other with some stuff. Uh, Mustafiev got dropped, and I think that's kind of where the tide turned. From that point on, it was really Brad being the fucking captain of the ship. Uh, his punches were harder. They were cleaner. He avoided, he shucked off some takedowns against the cage. He was good everywhere. He was, he definitely, he definitely was able to get up from all the takedowns that Magomed took him down with. Magomed did get eight takedowns, but again, Brad was able to get up from all of them. You want to get into our total strike count 60 to 36 for the local Kiwi. So he definitely won that fight. Um, he, so he gets the decision, and then he calls out Alex Hernandez, even though he said the wrong nickname. He said Alex Lamola, but it wasn't. It's not the Mahler because that's Alexander Gustafson, who is a 205er. I don't think he watched that kind of smoke in his life. So I know he met Alex Hernandez. That would be an interesting fight. I've been looking forward to seeing it. City kickboxing once again, fucking on fire right now. So that was our fight one on the main card of UFC Auckland. Uh, the next one, you know, it's funny. I'm going to give myself, there's a tiniest pat on the back before I get too far into this. Every once in a while, the sun even shines on a dog's ass. And uh, if you notice on last week's show, the old rhino said that Marcos Rogero de Lima was going to not just TKO, not just stop in some way, but knock out Ben Sassoli in the first round. And lo and behold, my God, these two come out and are fucking swinging. Both of them, they threw technique out the window from the very jump. They were both banging right from the start. They both hurt each other. They were both winging them. Uh, DeLima fucking threw a couple nice knees in there. Sassoli just, 
I don't know what his technique is, except for brawl, maybe. Uh, he keeps his hands down. He keeps his chin up. He just comes in to bang, which I kind of respect in a, in a weird way. But, uh, yeah, it just 128 in round number one. That big right hand comes in for Rogerio de Lima, knocks Ben Sassoli out. Ben Sassoli, I love your haircut, by the way. So don't think I'm just shitting on you for losing last night. That super mullet with the shave on the side, whoo, boy, you were looking sweet. So, yeah. Lima cracks him. The Rhino gets a spot-on pick for uh, one of the very few times in the last few shows. So I very much appreciate you for nothing else than for that. I Yeah, I got nothing on what they're both is going to be next for those guys. Uh, for our third fight, we had, I'm not going to try her last name because Jesus is going to make fun of me. So we have Yan versus Carolina Kovalkiewicz at strawweight 115. Uh, this one hurt my heart a little bit because I've always been a KK fan. Uh, ever since she came over to the UFC from the KSW, Jan simply took control right from the very beginning bell. She never let up, whether it was standing, in the clinch, on the ground. It was all Jan. Uh, total strikes were 157 to 51. Holy shit. Five takedowns to zero. Yikes, man. Dude, and Koba Kavich was a title contender. She was a title challenger. Her and JJ went at it. And so, man, I, she's on her third fight and a loss in a row. Uh, the Yan girl looks really fucking tough. I do get a little annoyed when someone, one of the fighters does the Kia after every strike they throw, like the hap, 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 hap. After a while, it's like, all right, just fucking throw the shot. But it is what it is. She looks like she has, Yan that is, has all the makings of it trying to become a uh, 115 all Chinese all Chinese affair for the 115 belt because her and Wiley Zhang, I think, are maybe on a collision course, and it'll be a really fun one. Both super-duper skilled athletes, uh, great cardio. What's next for KK, man? Uh, I said it last night on Twitter, I believe. I think she should go back to KSW. I think her time in the UFC is over, um, whether it's mental or physical or a combination. Go back to KSW where you were the champ, and it's your homeland, and you are one, like, you're revered amongst the masses of the people who love you there. So that'd be my advice. If I was her, if I was her manager, I'd be like, let's go back to KSW, finish out the career there, make some money. The level of competition is lower we could probably get out with a few nice fights, get out with everything intact. That would be my advice for KK, who I love, but she got worked last night. So our fourth fight on the main card, we got Jimmy Crute, or as I like to call him, give me the Crute, give me the Crute. Shout out to Big Papa uh, versus Mikel. I'm not even going to pronounce his last name. So Mikel Oleg Jewick. Oleg, I can't even do it. So anyway, there's not much to break down on this one, to be honest with you. Uh, as soon as the bell runs, as soon as the bell rings, Jimmy Crew comes across, changes levels, and takes it takes him down, Mikel down, uh, with a double leg, and then per, like for the rest of the fight, <laughs> every time Mikel would stand up, Crew would drag him back down and war trip him. You know, use those Dan Kelly trips that he's learned, get him back to the ground, back to the ground, a little ground and pound, but mostly just taking him down and taking him down and taking him down, and then finally he slaps a sub on. At 321, or I'm sorry, 329 in round one, gets the gets the nice first round sub, takes zero damage. Set after the fight, he wants to fight uh, either in Japan or uh, or if they come back to Australia or New Zealand soon, that he wants back on a card soon. Obviously, a quick turnaround. The kid's got a huge upside, very impressive. So yeah, Jimmy Crew, which I just love saying, give me the crew, give me the crew. So good on you, my friend. Now on to the like the feast of the night, right? We have Paul Felder 
And full disclosure, and for those of you who are new listeners, uh, the gym that I train at, I've been at for, for many years, we are a Rufus Sport affiliate. Paul Felder is a Rufus Sport fighter. There are lots of Rufus Sport fighters. I like a lot of them. I dislike several of them. This will never be a conflict of interest because I'm never going to be like, oh, I'm just going to pick it because it's a Rufus guy or girl. No. If you've all heard me talk about Macy Barber or Ben Askren or, uh, or, or, or Big Ben, you know that I'm not biased in any way on this. So, But I do love Paul Felder. Loved him before, love him now. Paul Felder goes into enemy territory against Dan the Hangman Hooker. First off, I just got to say, what a fight. We don't often get that five-round war, you know what I mean? And these guys really, really brought it. Felder outstruck Hangman 133 to 119 in significant strikes. I thought Felder won. I know a lot of people online were feeling the same way. Here's the problem. When you go, especially to somebody else's home country, not the United States, not just their home state or their hometown, but like their home country where they're one of a few guys who are superstars there, you're automatically a little bit of a disadvantage. That, it sucks, but that's just a fact of life in the combat sports world. I thought Felder won, but it was close enough where I would not call it a robbery. Uh, Hooker did land some nice stuff. Paul Felder's face was really busted up. His leg looked terrible from all the calf kicks. Now, I know, because I'm a very fair-skinned guy. When I get hit, it shows more, right? The, the you know, just the bruising and the blood coming to the surface, it's it shows more. And that's just part of having really, really fair skin. And so people, you know, Dan Hardy, who was excellent, by the way, last night, Dan Hardy brought that up as well. He's like, it looks worse on Felder because he's just so fair-skinned. It's just, it's just part of it. But he looked really busted up. He looked really beat up. Hangman had his bruises and cuts too, but it, it was it didn't look as bad as Felder with the eye closed and the jaw. But again, I thought Felder won. It was close enough that where Hangman Hooker, I could see you know I could see some judge giving him three. I, I thought for me Felder won three rounds and Hooker won two. But again, when it's that close, you can't scream robbery. You can't get all up in arms about it. At least it's not going to go anywhere if you do. So the the other, you know, the other strong thing that came out of that fight was at the end, Paul Felder said he thinks he's done. He might retire. You know, he thanked everybody. He misses his daughter, which, you know, choked a lot of us up to hear him, you know, fighting back to tears and talking about how much he misses his kid when he's away. You know, he lost his dad last year. Uh, it's just, it's it, we love that guy. He's so good on the mic. He's so good in the cage. He's such a good dude. We all want the best for him. I'll talk more about what I think is going to happen later in his career or what we have moving forward a little bit later. Hangman Hooker then in his call out of Justin Gaethje post-fight, I love that fight. I know Gaethje probably thinks that's a step down. I'm not sure. I love Justin Gaethje very, very much. I think that's a really fun fight. I think the fans would love it. Whether or not Gaethje is going to consider that a step down or not, we'll have to wait and see. But, I mean, just really, from a fan's perspective, huge kudos to both guys for putting it all out there, having nothing but class afterwards. Just what a great fucking fight. It's everything that's right with the fucking UFC. Even if you didn't like the decision, you got to admit that. So, moving our way on to our... Uh, Twitter questions. So there was Bellator. There was two Bellators, actually. I just, I'm not getting into them. I didn't, there was nothing of note in either one of them. I thought, man, I really want to talk about that. There wasn't. So I'm just going to move right on to our uh, to our Twitter questions. So we're first going to do our uh, voice questions. So our first voice question comes to us from the homie Shane Tara. And Shane Tara asks... Hey, Rhino, it's your boy, Shane Tara. I got a... Um 
fairly random question for you, I guess. Um, I, I don't really mind that the UFC split the men's and women's pound-for-pound pound, uh, divisions, or pound-for-pound pound rankings. That it re- doesn't really bother me. But um, I'm just curious, in your opinion, where you think that Amanda Nunez fits on just a general, all-great pound-for-pound list. Because um, if she's the greatest... If she's one of the greatest female fighters of all time, if this skill is translated to men's MMA, where do you think that she would fit in? Would she be like Jones Mighty Mouse level, or would she be like a little bit further down? Or I don't know. Just what, what do you think? I'm very interested. So Shane, I thought a lot about this. Uh, Amanda to me is the best pound for pound female fighter ever. Uh, it's not even close, but it's like by a wide margin. Uh, no, I would not put her above any of the guys listed uh, that we all usually think of as a pound-for-pound best. John Jones, GSP, Mighty Mouse, Anderson. Um, and not because she couldn't get there and not because there's any other reason, but they are just they got a later start. Women got a later start in MMA than men. Men got a 25-year head start. So I don't think the talent pool is as deep that she's had to face that the uh, that the other male counterparts have as of yet. I do think that's going to change um, in the next few, maybe three, four years. I think a lot of the competition is going to catch up. So Amanda Nunez is a phenomenal fighter, and she deserves to be on the overall pound-for-pound top ten list for me right now, 100%. But if you're if you're equating what she has been able to accomplish against who she's been able to accomplish it against comparatively to, to Bones Jones or GSP or Mighty Mouse or Spider Silva, I'm not, I'm not willing to sign off on that yet. But again, there's nothing wrong with her. It's nothing about... Her, it's not her fault in any way. I think once she gets caught up to and we see what she can do against other uh, female fighters who are at that caliber, then, yes, that will push her into the next stratosphere. Uh, I am a huge proponent of women's MMA. I'm a huge Invicta guy. I really love that now we almost never have a fight card that doesn't have several women's fights on it. Even just a few years ago, there wouldn't be maybe but one, sometimes two. Now you've got cards that are headlined by female fighters who deserve to be there, right? The top is there. The top talent, the top in all the divisions is there. It's the underneath talent. It's the mid talent. It's the later, you know, 20 to 30 you know, ranked range, that needs to catch up more. So, again, the men had 25-year head start. What do you expect? I think in a few years, everything's going to be pretty equaled out. So, thank you very much for uh, the question, Shane. Our next one comes from the big homie, Jim Asun, as as I also call him, the king of MMA Twitter. And Jim asks us, Rhino, what's going on, my man? Holy fuck. What a job Fury did. All right, my question for you is what's next for Fury? I don't want to see Wilder Fury 3 because Fury already won both of those fights, so. I don't know. AJ, who's next? Love to get your thoughts. Keep up the great work, buddy. Love the podcast. It's always 420. Peace. Jim, I think you hit the nail on the head. You know what? I I would like to see a Fury... Uh, three, a Fury Wilder three down the road, but not immediately. Come on, dude. I've been talking about it on the show for a long time. There's been the three kings for a long time. Now, there was a bump in the road with that Ruiz <laughs> knocking off AJ time. But for me, dude, just next, and I'm not talking about forever, but for next, I want to see Anthony Joshua versus Tyson Fury, an all-England affair. Again, two monster guys, both Again, Tyson Fury is so fucking skilled, and I want to see what AJ can bring because AJ's been boxing for forever. Uh, Deontay is, is more of a raw power guy, not super-duper 
uh, skilled as far as kind of the ins and outs of real traditional boxing. AJ is. And so, I, I be, you know, plus he's 6'6 and a monster, and I'd like to see what happens there. So, yeah, for me next, just very next, I would like to see AJ and Tyson uh, fight. That way Tyson can get the, the rest of the belts if he beats him, or AJ can get Tyson's and become the lineal champion in his own. Uh, so, yeah, that's what I see next for Tyson is AJ. So thank you very much, Jim. As I always say, it ain't a combat sports with Rhino without you, my man. So thank you, sir. Uh, our next one is a first-time caller, my homie Ali from Down Under. He gives us a uh, very cool question. So, Ali, take it away. G'day, Rhino, mate. It's Ali Ra here from Australia. How you doing? Uh, first off, I just want to say thank you for everything you do with this podcast, mate. You're, fucking, you're doing great work. It's uh, awesome to hear from fighters, you know, get to actually hear their voice and um, you know hear their thoughts on certain things. And uh, just all the voices from around the world of the MMA community. Man, um, yeah, I fucking love it. I love it. I'm here for the ride and uh, yeah, I appreciate it. And uh, for my question, uh, it's just what do you think uh, Dominic Reyes has to do differently or what adjustments does he have to make to uh, get the win over uh, John Jones? And uh, do you think it's better for him, uh, his chances against John Jones, to have the immediate rematch or take a fight in between? Cheers, mate. Again, what a great question, buddy. I'm so glad you uh, you you took the time to call in. I, I think Reyes would benefit from an immediate rematch. The the thing is, he was singularly focused on John Jones for however many months, right? So all he's thought about is John Jones. All he trained for was John Jones. So if you were to go take another fight or maybe a tune-up fight, some people would call it, uh, it could throw off your game. It could it could make you lose some of those nuanced things that you learned about uh, studying John, being in the cage with John for five rounds. So, no, I think the immediate rematch is the right way to go. The, there's not a ton of adjustment I would do as far as game plan. Um, definitely learn how to defend the leg kicks a little bit better, work on your takedown defense a little bit better. I know John's really good at it. But honestly, for me, it would be cardio because in the fourth and the fifth round, we saw him retreating a lot after for what I thought was winning the first three rounds. Four and five, he kind of backed away. He didn't really put his foot to the gas pedal. That would be it for me, dude. He Again, he I think he put on a performance that not a lot of us were expecting and I think he is he's got a pretty good shot if they immediately rematch so if the next fight is those those two going at it again that's what I would choose if I was him or his manager just stay focused on John try to pick apart some of the little nuanced things that you can learn even further and yes stay with John Jones work up that cardio so four and five you can keep the foot on the gas keep the forward pressure and keep it on John Jones great question my friend our next question comes from the great friend of the show and my own personal homie, Dave Fretz. Uh, so, Dave Fretz, take it away, buddy. Hey, Ryan, what's up? It's your boy, Dave Fretz, at Dave Fretz and at Solo Shoes on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, before I get to my question, Judah's here and has some news for you. It's something he wants to tell you. I have a lost tooth. How many teeth have you lost before? None. This is your first one? Uh-huh. Right on. Can you say goodbye to Rhino? Bye, Rhino. Awesome. Anyway, man, uh, less of a question, the first one. Just love to hear your thoughts on, uh, um, well, I guess it is a question. Uh, what happens next for both uh, Wilder and for Fury? And then also um, thoughts on uh, Paul Felder retiring. Hope that's not the case, but... Uh, you could see it in his face last night afterwards, uh, especially with a four-year-old, that he's thinking that way. So just love to hear your thoughts on that. Peace. Thanks, man. 
Uh, just to start out, first lost tooth, Judah, how awesome, dude. Make sure you put that under the pillow, and I think the Tooth Fairy will be bringing you some of that fat cash, my friend. Super cool, dude. Uh, next to answer your first question, Dave, what's next for Wilder? I think Usk, White, or Pervetkin. These are the three names that I kind of, as I look at the standings and I see where I know he wants to get back to their title shot, these are the guys I think he might have to go through. So Usk. White or Povetkin, he gets through them. We'll see what happens with Fury and AJ, which is what I think is going to happen. I think it's going to be Fury and AJ next. I think they're going to try to sell out Wembley Stadium. Yeah, huge money to be made, even though there was huge money last night in the AJ. Uh, no, I'm sorry, in the uh, Wilder Fury fight. But as far as Paul Felder goes, I don't think he's retiring. I really don't. I think he's just in a super emotional state. I'm sure he misses his family and you know, how grueling and how like hard it is to go through a fight camp like that. To all that travel, have a fucking crazy five-round war and how you're feeling afterwards. I'm sure the emotions are super-duper raw and fresh. I just think when he gets back and he heals up and he sees, like, all right, dude, I've really I've got some more left in the tank, obviously, for that performance like last night. So, yeah, I don't think he's going to retire. I think we'll see at least a couple more out of Paul Felder before he hangs him up. And, then, you know, I really hope so anyway because I'm such a huge fan of his. So our last question on the voicemail comes from uh, my homie Mixed the Man, uh, and he asks us. Rhino, it's your boy Mixed the Man. Hey, shout out to my dad Tyson Fury for the win last night. That was awesome. I wish boxing felt like that more often, like these big, awesome marquee events. But wanted to pivot to the UFC because I was really worked up last night. Um, I felt like Paul Felder won that fight, you know, and yeah, Dan Hooker maybe won the points contest. He won that fight on the merits of some takedowns that didn't really materialize to anything. And I hate that we kind of live in this world in MMA where we accept this shit because it's just easier to accept it than overhaul the judging and the scoring and all the work that that would take and all the controversy that that would create so we just accept this bullshit where you can just take people down score some points and don't even challenge them with submissions but i want to get your thoughts on the main event see who you think won and how you thought it played out peace i'm with you man you know i thought felder won i thought felder won three rounds of two here's the thing it's not. I don't think it's as much about how it's always terrible judging because it's not always terrible judging. For me, and particularly in this instance, it wasn't that uh, a takedown was like the the end all be all of anything. I think that the judges were leaning towards Hooker anyway because it was his home country. That's where I think that devises the what I think is a legit judging from swayed judging, if you will. So when you fight somebody from a different country, oftentimes in their home country. And people know that. People have complained about that in Brazil, Russia, even here in America, that it's the home country representative who gets the nod if it's close. So I don't think it's always that way where uh, some takedowns, even without the threat of subs or you know advancing position, I don't think it always gets held with more weight than the striking. I just think that last night it did because they were looking for any excuse to lean it towards Hooker's way. So, yeah, I hope I answered your question properly on that one, my man. Thank you so much for being uh, a part of the show. You are super-duper awesome with all your help in publicizing the show, dude. We can't, can't tell you how much I appreciate you, my friend. So thank you very much for calling in. Our first Twitter write-in question comes from my homie Phil, the MMA dude from the amazing Split Decision podcast, and he asked me, what is the ceiling for the amazingly surging Angela Hill? Uh, just how far can she go? Can she win a belt? <clears throat> Phil, that's an amazing fucking question, dude. Uh, you're absolutely right. Angela Hill is surging 
her skill set and her confidence are both like at all time highs right now. Uh, she's on a three fight win streak and she has looked great. Could she make a run of the title? Uh, of course she could. Um, she lost a clear decision to Yan at UFC 238. I think Wiley Zhang is like a few steps ahead of even Yan. So it'll be super tough for her to get that star weight strap uh, with those two in the pool. So again, I do think she is a phenomenal fighter. I think all, all things are clicking right now for her. And I think she could make it to the title shot. I just think with those two killers in the division, it's going to be real tough for us. So is it possible? Sure. I just see Wiley Zhang or Yan being the two best in the division and either one of them holding the strap for a while. Um, but yeah, great question. If you guys don't listen already, check out the Split Decision podcast, him and um, him and the MMA geek band. They are so funny together. They're so good. So yeah, definitely give them a listen. Uh, our next question comes from... Uh, my girl, Drea, Drea underscore MMA, her question is, um, what do you think, do you think there should be a trilogy between Fury and Wilder, or is Tyson too much for him at this point? Do I think Joshua's next for Fury? Yeah, as I kind of talked about a little bit earlier on the show, I, I really think that AJ is the next most logical opponent for Fury. I think that Wilder could potentially get his way back to uh, getting a title shot, whether that's with Fury or if AJ happens to beat Fury or whoever's the champion at the time. But yeah, for right now, I'd like to see them both fight other fighters next. So great question. Thank you, Drea, your girl Drea, at underscore MMA. Our third one comes from my main man, Serious King. He also has a boxing question. What do I think would happen if Tyson and Anthony Joshua were to fight? I think it'd be a lot of the same kind of stuff that we saw last night with more resistance from AJ, I think AJ is a little bit slicker on the feet. I think his defense is a little bit better than Deontay's. Uh, I think the size is still going to be a problem. I think the odd angles that Tyson throws are still going to be a problem. So I still see Tyson Fury beating Anthony Joshua when and if they do fight. So serious, my dude, thank you so much for, uh, for that one. And now, without further ado, check out my awesome interview with 155 standout, Tough 27 finalist, Joe skeletor Janetti. Oh, folks, we have a wonderful, fantastic special guest for you this evening. We have got the man out of Whitman, Massachusetts, Joe skeletor Giannetti. Am I saying that correctly? Giannetti. Giannetti. All right. We got Joe skeletor Giannetti, Tough 27 finalist, 155-er. The dude's a stud. He can beat you on the feet. He can beat you on the ground. Joe, thank you very much for taking the time to join us on Combat Sports with Rhino today. No problem, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, Joe, if you could kind of take us through, what was the um, what was the kind of thing that got you into MMA to begin with? Like, what was the genesis of the, Skeletor, of the uh, Skeletor's career? Um, honestly, I mean, I got into a lot of fights when I was a kid. I, I got picked on a lot and teachers weren't really helping me out. So I would just honestly start challenging bullies to fights. Like after school, we can go outside and we'll figure it out. Um, and then I was in high school one day and I wrestled for a couple of years and all the kids in my junior year, I was like, I'm going to do this when I graduate, I'm going to go to this school and the teachers going around the room and they're like, what are you going to do? And I was like, I mean, I haven't lost a street fight. Maybe I'll be a fighter. And they were like, what? And they're like, I went to a Vogue school. So like, you're not going to be an auto mechanic. And all I was right. like, I was like, no, nah, I'll just work on my car. But, like, I seem pretty good at fighting, so I think I'm just going to go fight. <laughs> That's amazing, dude. Um, so you're a young guy. Are you 24 or 25? 24. 24. So you're a young guy. Um, so you kind of have been around for the entire kind of upward trajectory of the UFC and MMA as a whole. Uh, when you were coming up, do you have a couple of fighters that you really looked up to that were kind of your favorite guys? 
I mean, my favorite fighter from the jump was Anderson Silva. I mean, he was the first fight I ever watched. Um, honestly, I don't even remember if it was live or a rerun, but it was him versus Forrest Griffin. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, I thought he was a god. Like yeah. what he did to Forrest was unreal. Um, and that kind of pulled me into the sport. But, you know, I looked up to him and mostly just for his skills. And it wasn't until a couple of years later, I started appreciating fighters for stuff outside of the cage, like, you know, their mentality and stuff like that. Um, I became a fan of the Diaz brothers because of their, their mentality. Like, you know, there's really no friends in the game. They hate a fight. Uh, we can't, we can be friends afterwards, but until then we're, we're not cool. Uh, that's something that I kind of adopted. Sure. That was a rough one for, uh, I liked Anderson too, but I was, a, I was a forest fan and to see him lose to a falling away jab and then cry and then run out of the cage. That was a tough moment for a forest fan, but Bad. yeah, I loved Anderson dude, for sure. Um, so again, you were a member of, you were a cast member on the uh, tough 27. Uh, can you kind of walk us through a normal week in the tough house? Like what, what was like a Monday through Friday, like, uh, being in the house? I mean, so honestly, it was different depending on what team you were on. If you were Team DC, it was the same thing every week. You wake up, make your breakfast. You probably, if you're up early, you got an hour or so till you got to go. Um, they tell you the vans are going to be here in five minutes. They show up, you jump in and head to training. Um, and then, you know, DC mauls you for two hours. Then you head home. And it was, it was funny because our team was always in the kitchen at the same time, being on the same schedule of training. So it was like a mob of us in the kitchen cooking breakfast, train, mob of us making lunch. And then we all kind of dispersed. And after about a week or so, we were all just trying to find things to kill time. Some of us were drawing. Some of us were making games. Uh, some of us were just sitting outside tanning. Um, and then back to training and then back in the kitchen afterwards. Um, you know, Team Stipe on Friday nights, you know, the coaches took them out and they'd go to dinner or go-karting, whatever. And the first this first or second week, we were like, so what's up? Like, D.C., when are we going out? Yeah. And, like, oh. and D.C. was like, I didn't know you guys were here to make friends. I thought you were here to get in the UFC. And we were like, all right, well played. When's practice? <laughs> That's why I was awesome, dude. I, uh, I, I also wondered, you know, cause I've been watching it from the very beginning. Uh, uh, the ultimate fighter that is how many production people are in the house at any given time? Like, is there literally like a boom guy, a mic guy, a fucking camera guy and two or three other people like just following you all the time. They're all over the place. Um, they've got like their own little setup on the property somewhere. Um, where they're all just like congregated and they, they take turns sending guys out into the house. But yeah, there's always the camera guy, the boom guy, uh, the, the third sound, the second sound guy, um, just all and there's different sets of them all over the house. And, you know, they all move around. If they hear something's going on in the other room, they're like, Oh, we're going to go catch this on camera. Um, but that was like one of the first things we all kind of had to get over is like, live your life or pretend there isn't a camera in your face. <laughs> right. The, the, the third wall shall not be uh, breached, as they say. Yeah. Yeah, that would be really difficult, dude. I, I, I give you all you guys credit for being able to do that. Uh, switching gears a little bit, uh, my man Joe, what is your favorite TV show that takes place in New England? TV show that takes place in New England, Phantom Gourmet. Phantom Gourmet, that's a good one. We w- we also would have accepted Family Guy or Cheers. These Family are, Guy, <laughs> Cheers. Okay. These are also answers we would have accepted. Part two, a very similar question: the greatest or your favorite movie with the backdrop being New England. So it's a tie between The Town and The Departed. That is excellent, sir. Because as you'll see on my sheet, I have <laughs> The Town, The Departed, or The Perfect Storm. These were also. These are these are the acceptable answers that I would agree with. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love the town. I love the departed. The departed soundtrack is one of the best things I've ever heard in my life. So good. Oh my god, unbelievable. Um, 
So uh, switching gears again, if you, um, you know, you've had finishes in every conceivable way in, in your young career. Uh, you're only what 13, 13, 14 pro fights in, right? Give or take. Yep. Um, I, again, as a pro boxer, I've never had the feeling of a submission. I don't know what that feels like. If you could compare and contrast the two, what gives you a bigger charge, getting somebody in a nice sub or stopping them on the feet or with ground and pound? Um, a submission, definitely, because you can't argue a submission. You know, you get like you get a standing TKO. People go, oh, well, he hit him here. or Oh, the ref shouldn't have stopped it. Da, da, da. Same thing on the ground. He wasn't defending himself. He could have gotten up. But a submission, your opponent is telling you, I'm done. I've had enough. You win. And so that is just like a solid win for me. Like I get to experience that win 100%. Nobody could take it away from me. So that's why submitting people is my favorite. Oh, that's so badass, dude. Again, I, <laughs> I've I've never done that in my life. And I'm even in, a, you know, like the few street fights I've been in, in my life, I've never been able to sub anybody. God, I just, I'm so jealous of you guys, you jits guys who know how to do that. It's so badass. <laughs> <laughs> um, so again, you, you're pretty young. Uh, do you ever see yourself moving up to 170? Or do you think you can have your whole career uh, at 55? Um, I think that if I, if I end up at 170, it would be late in my career, like towards the end. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm aiming for like 155. I want to be the top of the 155 division. Um, but you know, honestly, if, if my career ever gets to the point where I can't be at the top, then I'll start thinking about 170 and becoming a real welterweight. Cause you know, a lot of guys go up just cause they don't like cutting weight. Um, and you know, like I'm a Diaz fan, but you know, his past couple fights have been at 170. He didn't look like a real welterweight. He looked like a 55er that didn't cut. And if I were to go up to 170, I would have to do more so the Masvidal approach where it's like, okay, we're taking a year off sure. and we're going to focus on becoming a 170. Right. Um, and he looks like it. I mean, he's huge. Yeah. Well, you're, cause you're a very tall guy for 55. So I just thought that would be a possibility. Yeah. You're right. Maybe down the road a little bit. Um, you know, as we get older, we just naturally fill out some. So uh, yeah, cause you're a very tall guy with a really good reach. And so I thought maybe that would be able to translate to 170 as you got older. So maybe you're, yeah, I like how you're considering that as well. Um, what is the, speaking of weight, uh, give me the post-fight meal, dude. What's the post-fight meal after all the weight cutting is done, after the fight is over, you can relax. What is the go-to fucking meal for you? So on Sundays after the fight, we go out to breakfast. Any spot we can find that's close to us, get the biggest meal they have on the menu. <laughs> lunch, lunch, I'm going to Five Guys. I'm getting a burger, fries, and a milkshake. And then for dinner, my dad's making chicken parm. <laughs> oh, nice, dude. That's right. I, I definitely remember your dad on uh, as part of the Ultimate Fighter show. Did he did he kind of enjoy that little bit of uh, that little bit of shine that he took from me on that with his with No, his... he hated he hated every second of it. <laughs> <laughs> Private guy, man, after my own heart. I definitely I could definitely feel that. Uh, so do we know what's next? Do we know what's next on the on the horizon for you? Do we know which promotion? Do you know which fighter? Do you know about which time? Any of that stuff you could share with my audience, Joe? Um, right now, there's not much. I mean, there's a couple things in the works. Um, you know, Luis Pena, buddy of mine, his opponent just pulled out, and I messaged him, and I was like, bro, honestly, would you be mad if I threw my name in the hat? Um, because, you know, we were super tight on the show, but we kind of – like first or second week, we're like, you know, we're probably going to be fighting at the finale. And right. like, we were ready for it. And that's what I said to him. I go, we were down for the finale. I go, but if you feel disrespected, I won't even bother with the fight. And he was like, Hey, if, if you get a contract and we fight it out, I'm not mad at it. Right. Um, so, so, you know, we're down to fight. Um, we're just waiting to hear if the UFC's down for it. I don't see anybody else stepping up to fight him, but we'll see if not that, then I'm aiming for cage Titans April 4th. 
it's just a matter of getting someone to get in there with me. Sure, yeah, I know it's very difficult because people don't want to fucking get that smoke. I'm fully aware. <laughs> I've been watching you from the jump, dude. Um, and yeah, Joe, we're as I love to say on the on Combat Sports with Ryan, we are kind of careening towards the end of our interview here. Uh, I did want to ask you because there's been a little bit of heat that's been caused with a certain man from across the pond. If you had three words to describe Patty Pimblett, what would those three words be in your opinion, sir? First of all, it's not enough words. Um, <laughs> but, you know, here's the thing is whether I like you or not, I'm going to respect what you're good at. And it's something that Patty can't do. And I tell him all the time, don't let your dislike for me make you dumb because it's going to be your downfall. So three words, idiot, talented, weak. <laughs> I'm so fucking forward, dude. I can't even tell you. Oh my gosh. Well, Joe, this was fucking amazing. We uh we got through our questions. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you taking. I know it doesn't I try not to keep the guests on too long. I know you guys got busy lives and things to do, but again, I really appreciate you taking time out. And uh big shout out to Dave Fretz who is uh, my, my homie and your homie. I call him the Einstein of graphic design. <laughs> who uh, does good work, man. He, he made some does. fire designs for me. hundred percent, man. He is, he is. And he's such a great, he's a wonderful guy too, on top of that. So uh, yeah, man, I'm really glad he put us in contact. I'm glad I got to talk to you. Thank you so 100%. much for being on again, Joe. No problem. Thank you. Now, as we love to say on Combat Sports with Rhino, we are careening towards the end of our program. It is now time for my shout-outs. You know, the last couple weeks, I've been remiss. I have introduced the fellas first, or I've given my shout-out to the, the, the list of the, the gentlemen of the Rhino gang. Today, I'm going with the ladies first. So, shout-outs to the Rhino gang with Drea. Thank you for your question. G from OTV. Chelsea and Delilah from the TKO Podcast. Ashley, the MMA nerd. Laura, Purple Pants. Poke Mama. Derek Lewis's Hot Balls. Scottish Blaze. Deja. The Mini Sonnen. Uh, Bailey. And then to the fellas, Dave. Dave Fretz, the Einstein of graphic design, my man. Jim Asun, the king of MMA Twitter. New caller, my new homie, Ollie. Uh, leg sweep, dude. Awesome question. Ken. Mr. Tittle, dude, you're the you're the bomb, dude. Thank you so much for all your help uh, and getting the show's name out there. Gator, serious, great question today. My man Marquise from Week Sauce Radio, Mr. B, Juice from the Fighting With Myself podcast, Phil, Antonio, Mixta, unsolicited. Guys, the show would not be shit without your help and support. Thank you all from the bottom of my heart. I really, really appreciate it. Keep an eye out for Pure Evil MMA when Juice and I played uh, – Jeopardy the other night. It was really fun. It was really exciting. Keep an eye for that. I'll make sure I uh, let everybody know when that comes out. Should be out very soon. So thank you, everybody. Thank you again to Joe Janetti. And uh, we love you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. And thank you to my super amazing, talented engineer, D Reigns, for all his hard work and editing skill to make me sound like I know what the fuck I'm talking about. So we will see you guys next week, Cage Time.